You have to be willing to change to get better. That's why guys like Phil Mickelson, Patrick Reed, and Daniel Berger changed to the Callaway's new Chrome Soft Ball. See what they do at CallawayGolf.com. Chrome Soft, it's the ball that changed the ball. Let's get to it. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! Yeah! I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Got a special guest today. We'll get to him. Got a very non-special guest at the moment. (laughs) Tron, what's happening? Not much. I thought, oh man, I thought I was a special guest. No. Uh, You've been on three straight podcasts. I know, I know. It's good. We need uh, to do this. We need to mix not in. Not special at all. We need to mix in yeah. the vibes with the uh, with the interviews yeah. as well. So, uh, nothing, man. I'm just uh, southbound on I-75. Um, drove down to Atlanta from Boston yesterday, about sixteen and a half hours. Knocked that out. The dogs dropped them off with my parents in Atlanta, and then uh, just crossed over into the land of low cost goods and services. What uh, across the crossed the florida state line here about five minutes ago are you so. going to tell everyone what you're up to this week i'm going to bay hill i'm going to be on roaming roaming premises just losing so. your virginity in the media center yeah yeah uh yeah so i'm gonna be i haven't really um uh, i've been kind of coy about being in the media center so hopefully you know i mean i may have to i may have to hire like personal security or something like that if uh if you know some of the some of my repeated victims are are on property don't be but, surprised uh, don't be surprised if you get warned like to behave yourself like every time i've been in there they're like oh oh okay well well just 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 like be good okay remember like we're watching okay so yeah it's pretty entertaining so, um but yeah alex is headed down she's fine down with the baby to, I'm going to meet her in Naples. Supposed to meet her on Tuesday, but um, it, we're supposed to get like 16 inches of snow in Boston on Tuesday. So she might not be coming down until Friday or Saturday, which means I might be hanging out in Orlando all week. So, um, But yeah, so we're going to play Winter Park tomorrow, I think, with Sean Martin. Try to... Uh, That'll be today for anybody listening to this, Monday. Yeah, Monday. I think Porras playing in the, in the Pro-Am tomorrow, too. So I'm going to... F- follow him around make fun of him a little bit on the board so yeah man it's gonna be a good week that's good well let's recap uh valspar a little bit even though neither of us barely watched any of it you followed along on radio and i got to see the la- the back nine basically you tried to bury uh adam hadwin and canada just showed all up in your mentions and he came back battled after almost getting swallowed by the snake pit first career win what did you think of this weekend uh, I mean, I love this course. It's one of my favorites on tour. Um, I, I, you know, people forget on that iguana get, <laughs> getting chased by the snakes that, that the iguana survives. The iguana that's survives. exactly what happened. Now, now, I mean, I, I, I was under the impression. I mean, Hadwin up until like the 12th or 13th hole, he looked like he was really shaky all day, and then he just turned on the jets. I think that he had a putt on the front nine that really kind of steadied him. But, uh, but yeah, Cantlay was fantastic all day um will haskett on the pga tour radio 
coverage was just it was getting me amped in the car man. <laughs> like like i was rolling through like macon and warner robbins like just just south georgia you know nothing going on and i'm just all juiced up so um but uh Finau today, man. He played his he played his butt off too, huh? In a t-shirt. The guy wouldn't even be allowed in the clubhouse in that thing. Oh, really? I didn't oh, see. Yeah, it's bad. And, you would have hated. Yeah, I it. heard West Bryan had some awful pants on too. He's going with the pink pants like every Sunday now. Apparently, that's a thing here. Okay. I, uh, okay. I tried to be nice to him today because uh, he's on a pretty impressive run, man. It's like three straight top oh, yeah. tens, I think. And I, I, I threw it out there. I think the Presidents Cup. I know nobody cares about the Presidents Cup. I think it's in play <laughs> for him. You, uh, I love my international team events. I know. You need to start getting more amped about the President's Cup. Like, <laughs> like bring that same passion that you have for the Ryder Cup. Like, I, I've never met anybody that likes anything as much as you like the Ryder Cup. That's fair. I actually like, kind of want the U.S. to lose the President's Cup this year to bring it back. Like, it needs to, it needs to be lost at some point, or else this thing is, it's not worth playing anymore. And we're not talking about the President's Cup in March, that's for sure. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, actually, they were talking about it on the thing. They, they were saying how Hadwin pretty much like locked up a spot today i think it can't be that hard to make the international team can it <laughs> i don't know i mean it's always just tong chai oh, jd is yeah. not walking through that door okay <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh but yeah and then well and then like they were saying all the all the commercials on there they were like yeah like like prestigious or like legendary liberty nationals like yeah liberty national legendary course we really we really are still talking about the president's cup now did they yeah what did they do to it they re, they, they used it was voted like the worst course on tour like back in like 2011 what was, was the renovation like pretty big on that i mean I, I don't think people hate it as much as they used to uh i'm not sure it's a good question i i know bob cup designed it he's like i really i've enjoyed most of the courses i've played from him he designed like pumpkin ridge and a couple of them out in oregon and then nice course in atlanta setting down um but so he's always been pretty well regarded in my book, but it's just—I think it's just more of like it's a landfill, you know. Yeah, I think um, the the classic quote that everyone loves to do when there's a, a shitty course built on a landfill is like it was better left as a landfill, and I definitely have heard that <laughs> quote about Liberty Liberty National. But that should be good vibes up there. That this can be a pretty pretty yeah, wild oh, crowd, be, good warm up, good warm up for yeah. Beth Page in 2024. Um, yeah. Uh, is it fair to call Patrick Cantlay a post hype sleeper? Uh, oh, absolutely! Yeah, no, I mean everybody's been. He seems like he's universally regarded too. You know, everybody on Twitter was like rooting for the guy the last couple of days. So, um, yeah, I think for sure he was. God, he made some big ass putts today too. You know, kind of cooled off down the stretch, but uh, but from you know the end of the front nine to maybe fourteen or fifteen, he was on fire. I think it'll so. be around 2020 that we actually like stop talking about the back injury and his his redemption story. I think I can already see it. The narr- like the, the story is. I mean, it is an incredible story, but like they can't yeah. show him on screen without talking about his back and about talking about the comeback. But uh, yeah, the guy is, and I don't even dislike it. He is like an like a movie assassin on the course. He is completely emotionless. Like he, he like almost bowed to ha- to Hadwin after he like uh, after Hadwin made the winning putt again with a completely straight face. It was like a Japanese bow. Like <laughs> I have <laughs> I have succumbed to you, sir. Congratulations. It, completely emotionless. But I kind I don't know. I kind of like it. Yeah. I generally I, I I'm kind of out on most of those guys. But I've, I've really anybody that can go and shoot. What do you shoot? Like sixty or sixty one at at the travelers a few years back 60 as an amateur 
Yeah, I mean, that's just insane. It's one of the more insane things maybe in the last 10 years of the PGA Tour. Yeah, you know, so. the talent is un, undeniable. I don't think we were expecting him to come back from it quite this quickly. But, uh, man, another another yeah. intriguing young name to add to the mix for what's yeah. been a pretty lit season so far. Your boy Bryson showed out this week. He did. I, I, I tweeted earlier. I thought he was going to eject, you know, WD today, just try to get off the course early and uh, try to fly down to South by Southwest. <laughs> See uh, DJ Pie and a couple other people speak down there, you know, because because Bryson's a thought leader. But, there you uh, go. There you go. You but can, yeah, you no, I mean, he, uh, yeah, he played well. I mean, it's a good, it's a good course for him. I think he's in Bay Hill this week too, so um, I may have to may have to chat him up. <laughs> You, that might be one of the guys you want to avoid down there. He did get a little swallowed up by the snake pit on Saturday. I think you 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 reveled in that a little bit. I did. I did. I'm yeah. su- I'm yeah. surprised he didn't like claim he's been slowly injecting himself with venom, like in small doses throughout like his anti-venom. life. Anti-venom. Yeah, yeah to, to build up an immunity to the snake pit. <laughs> Um, all right, I think that's good for uh, the Valspar. I want to get to our uh, the interview I did with David Faraday. I recorded it uh, with him yesterday, Saturday afternoon, right before he was going on air, the Valspar. Uh, we do have a short uh, clip from the episode with Phil Mickelson, part two that's airing tonight if you're listening to this on Monday. Um, and then we get to the interview. I was told I was going to have about 30 to 40 minutes with David and I only ended up getting about 15, and I stretched it out to 20. So I did kind of rush through a few of the questions, but I want to clarify one thing on that that I felt really bad about afterwards because uh, I was kind of going way too fast. We talked a bit about uh, just the, the the vibe on tour and some of the you know the demons that, that David has faced in the past and his drinking problems, and I made the passing comment that I thought uh, – I said, you know, the drinking problems, those, those days are behind you, and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of stopped me and said, those, that's not the way this works. Like, it, it's, uh, it's something you're always battling. And I, 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 I kind of felt bad about that because I've never, obviously can't really relate, uh, having not gone through that personal experience. So I didn't want anyone listening to, uh, to kind of take my, the way I asked the question in passing. I'm probably overthinking it, but uh, I felt pretty bad about it. Uh, but without further ado, uh, let's get to the recording with David Faraday. You, you've always thought that way, very analytical. There's a lot that I process on every shot, and there's a lot of detail. Uh, do you want me to touch on it, or do you really, is it boring? Hey, tell me about it. Well, in my practice, I build a reference. So uh, I hit the same shot over and over, building a 9-iron that goes 145 yards, let's say. Now, that will vary based on temperature and altitude, and uh, which will change with time of day and whatnot, as well as wind and, and those effects. But uh, one of the things people will say is I hit, my, I hit my wedge, you know, 120. Well, you might hit a 120 under certain conditions, but in the morning, ball's not going to go 120. Maybe in the afternoon when it's warmer and the ball heats up, but it's going to go 5 to 10 yards shorter in the morning. People don't factor that in. If you get a little bit of water in between the club face and the ball, people don't know. It actually increases spin, causes it to go shorter. The first cut always comes out 6 to 8 yards dead. If the grain is into you, it's going to launch and hit lower on the face, launch lower, have more spin. Mm-hmm. If it's down grain, the club slides a little bit quicker, you'll get more out of it. If it's sitting up on zoysia or, or off of a tee, always goes 5 yards farther with each iron based on the fact that the center of gravity is underneath the ball and it launches higher, a little bit less spin. All these things I have to factor in when I look at the lie. 
okay, how is the lie and how is the ball going to come out relative to my 145 9-iron? Now, that's 10 off a stock, so I have a normal swing, right? and then I have a second swing for every iron shot. And that's, it's a little bit shorter backswing with the same acceleration. So I have a 145 and a 155-yard shot. What is the lie going to do? What's the temperature? What's the wind? How do I want the ball coming into the green? If you choke down an inch, three yards comes off of it. One degree aloft is three yards. So if you open the face a degree, that's three yards. So if I have a reference of 145, I want it to fly 142, I can choke down an inch. It'll come in a little bit lower, a little bit flatter, and release. Or I can just open it up and hit a little bit of a cut. That'll be three yards, but it'll back up. All these variables, like I'll process uh, like that. When I look at the lie and assess the situation, see what kind of grass it is, and those are the nuances that allow me to be so precise with my wedges and my, my short irons and my distance control. Right. And, and that's why iron play has been such a strength for, for my game is that uh, I'm able to be precise to within a yard or two. And uh, in my practice sessions, because I hit 1,500 balls every month to those specific numbers, my reference is, is pretty, pretty on. If I uh, hit a shot 145 and I feel like I nailed it, it usually, uh, it that's usually where it does goes. that. Yeah. A quick break to tell you about something I recently put in my bag. A lot of people are putting in their bag. Of course, I'm talking about the Callaway Epic Driver. It's taking the world and the tour by storm. It's all about the jailbreak technology. This is the greatest jailbreak we've seen since Andy Dufresne busted out of Shawshank. It has redefined the way the head and face react at impact, increasing ball speed and distance for any, every type of player. More ball speed means more distance. More distance means even less laying up. We don't lay up. Nobody's got time for that. I've got it in my bag. Get fit for a new Great Big Bertha Epic Driver at your local retailer today or learn more at callawaygolf.com epic. We have some really fun stuff coming with Callaway this year. I promise you that. Uh, more details on that to come. But for now, let's get to David Faraday. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. I'm Chris Solomon, joined today by a guy I've been following for many years. Great thrill to have him on. You know him from the Golf Channel, from NBC, and from his own show on the Golf Channel, David Faraday. David, how are you today, man? I'm doing great, thank you. Although I fainted yesterday in Minneapolis Airport. Do you want to explain that, or are we just supposed to guess what happened there? No, I'm not sure how to explain it, you know. I mean, I've been losing a little weight recently, and I was hunkered down with my back against a pillar, and uh, I stood up, and uh, it's kind of I saw stars. The next thing I knew, I was lying down in an airport with the blood coming out of my head. You, you know, did, so there you are. That's the, the end of that story. Did you have any treatment? I don't think that's the end of that story. Did you have to get any treatment after that, or what happened after that? <laughs> no, I got, I got a napkin, and uh, I flew to Tampa. You didn't have anyone check on you after that. No, hell no. I mean, I've had so many blows to the head that really, I mean, this is this is all you've got. Bring it on. <laughs> all right, I wasn't prepared for that, but uh, I know you don't have a lot of time. We're recording this right before you're about to go <laughs> on the air for the uh, Valspar today. But uh, I just want to know, you, you said it's been six years in the making for this Phil Mickelson interview that aired on Golf Channel. Part one was last week. Did it? Did the interview live up to your expectation? It, it did, and more, Chris. It was uh, it was amazing. After 20-something years of following Phil Mickelson and knowing him as a friend, I really thought that I knew uh, or had a handle on how his mind worked. Uh, not so much. 
there's a lot going on in there that uh, that I didn't realize that uh, folks won't uh, or they will be absolutely gobsmacked by. Um, and the way that he thinks about playing golf and each individual shot is remarkable. And uh, he's just a, a unique human being. It was so much fun. We had to do it over two episodes. Does it, is it a little bit theatrics with him? I know he, he seems to want to prove how smart he is every single chance he gets. I love it. Don't get me wrong. But is he really like that in real life as well? He, he really is. Yeah. And I get this uh, you know, asked me all the time. Is Phil really like that or is it kind of an act? No, he really is like that. In fact, he's more like that than, than he acts. Um, he's one of the smartest human beings I've ever met. Um, the way that he thinks of things and, and the analytical nature of how he goes through it, um, it, it would uh, defeat an MIT scientist. How did you keep a straight face when you saw the leather jacket for the first time? I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was some sniggering. Yeah, no question. What, what, is, what got left on the cutting room floor from this interview that we'll never see that, uh, that, is, your, that is your favorite part that you would have wished would have made it in? Well, I mean, I'm not involved in the cutting room uh, uh, procedure. I, I don't uh, look at the edit or anything like that. But for off the top of my head, you know, we were uh, we were talking about uh, you, you can be really smart or really dumb, um, you know, to play this game, and, and and each one is an advantage, you know. So we left the really dumb ones out. Well, I was going to say that was one of my questions. We, the quote I think was something to be good at golf, you have to be really smart or really dumb. I was going to ask who was he talking about in that scenario. You're not willing to give the answer? No, no, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because they're not dumb enough not to kick my ass. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, whenever I ask this question, people their answer answer number one is usually listen. But uh, if, if that is the answer number one, what's answer number two when I ask what's your your best interview tip? Yep, you're dead right uh, when it when it comes to listen. That's for sure. Um, it's uh, you know try to find someone uh, something in, in the person you're interviewing that that you like. Um, that, at least that's my uh, my mo uh, on this. I I don't have victims. I have guests, and uh, you know I can be criticized from time to time for not asking. You know I didn't ask. President Clinton, any Monica Lewinsky questions? I don't I mean I don't care about that. Um, I think it's been asked over and over, and we spent enough money and, and enough of our emotional well-being in, in trying to find out the answer to that. Um, I uh, I'm more interested in in the person and uh, you know what makes them tick. You know, and and I want to like them. And uh, to this date, you know, a uh, hundred interviews uh, coming up on that mark. Um, I haven't uh, interviewed anyone that afterwards I don't I don't like. You you know these guys pretty well. You've been following. You've been you know working on the tour for about twenty one years now, if I'm counting right. You know a lot yeah. of stories. Do you ever go over what you're going to discuss before you ask them and ask if it's okay to bring up certain things, or do you ever run into a situation where you ask something and they're like, oh, I don't want to talk about that? No, no, we never go over anything. Um, what I do say to them, um, and this is something that that to the best of my knowledge hasn't happened you know if, if there's something in here that that you don't like the answer to or you know we, we'll we'll take it out yeah. you know because i mean you are a guest here you know if you don't like an answer that you've given for whatever reason you know we'll uh, we'll figure something out you know i'll ask the question differently or we'll do that but I've, to this date you know i've never had to do that What's the most interesting thing you've learned from an interview on your on your golf channel show that you didn't already know about that person? 
Wow. That's a big question. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm not sure even. Where, I mean, I have probably problems remembering each interview. And part of the reason is that I don't watch the show. Um, I've watched one show uh, out of a hundred, uh, and that was the first one with Lee Trevino. And I felt that if I was going to do it, I'd better watch the first one. He was really important to me and uh, my hero growing up, my hero to to this day. Um, but I, it creeps me out so badly watching myself on television that uh, um, I, I, I don't watch it. So, you know, I, I don't know what the program looks like. <laughs> um, I know what it felt like when I, when I was doing it. You know, so um, it, it makes it difficult for me to answer that question. Well, I could tell you from what it looks like. You have uh, the interviews are are great, obviously, but you also have an outstanding production crew. That you know, when there's a story oh, that's brought wonderful. up, when there's a story brought up, they cut the they cut the clips in, they cut the audio or the video in that really helps yeah. with the storytelling. I think I thought the, those are uh, the things. Those are the things I don't see. Yeah. Yeah, you're missing out. You should really tune into your own show. It's really good. I, no, but I need weeks of therapy afterwards. <laughs> I can't believe I look that fat or sound that stupid. Well, you you at least have the benefit of having things cut out too. See, like a podcast, you, ha- you there's no there's not really that option. But uh, have you ever? Yeah, that's uh, true. That's true. Have you ever had an interview that's 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 been especially challenging? The subject wouldn't give you much, or maybe it was an indifferent kind of personal relationship there that made that made an interview uh, especially challenging. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to kill an ant on my desk. I got it. Yeah. Um, there have been some that are more uh, challenging than others. Larry David was one of my favorite interviews, but it was uh, you know challenging. It was like interviewing a mirror. Um, and I mean, he's uh, more paranoid and, and you know terrified than I am. And uh, you know he plays that kind of a character. I didn't expect him to be that way. <laughs> um, there are. Uh, you know interviews that I've done that uh, you know I'd, that you have difficulty getting going, but they've always got going. Um, you know, once I get uh, break the ice, that kind of thing. And I think it's probably because you know I interview from a position of weakness. Um, my life has been such a friggin' you know disaster from from time to time that uh, you know when I ask someone a question that might be personal or whatever they look at me and they think well hey you know if he's willing to admit that you know maybe I should um, at least I think that's the way it works and I wanted to touch on that I know you don't have a ton of time but you know you've you've definitely detailed your struggles with alcohol in the past and those days are behind you I, I would imagine the culture on tour back then kind of promoted that lifestyle a bit more than it does today but do you see anyone kind of dealing with the same, uh, as you called them, demons that you dealt with? Uh, and you don't, definitely don't have to name names. I imagine you wouldn't do that. But do you see any current active players, PGA Tour, Champions Tour, anywhere kind of dealing with the same thing that you dealt with? Um, I, I don't, um, to be honest with you. And I, I, obviously I wouldn't name names even if I did. I see people in the broadcast industry um, that, that might be struggling with it. And, you know, you know, you, you were saying that, you know, my struggles are in the past. They're not. I mean, they're they're in the present. Um, and that's that's the way that it works. Uh, and um, no, but but on tour, things are uh, a, a good deal more. I mean, I, I started to play golf for a living 41 years ago and um, things were very different. It was a different time. People looked at the game differently. There wasn't nearly as much money involved. I, I think in a 
in a certain sense, it, it might have been more fun to play, you know, playing in, in 20 different nations uh, in Europe with, uh, you know, 70 or 80 guys on the same airplane and almost everyone in the same hotel. It was almost impossible not to be some kind of a party animal. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, these days it's uh, there's a lot more money. Um, it's a, a good deal more of a business atmosphere, but I mean, and also... Uh, you can't underestimate, you know, the effect that that microphones and cameras have with social media, and um, you know, everything has a, you know, you're always being watched, you're always being listened to, you know. So a lot of these kids, you know, can't be who they really are, and it's only when you get them in an unguarded moment that you see the character come out. There are a lot of characters out here still. Well, you mentioned, you know, being on the same airplane, going around to 20 different nations, playing the European tour. Did you have a favorite stop in those days, either for social reasons or the golf course reasons or just the notoriety of the tournament? What was your always your favorite event to play in on the Euro tour? Wow. Yeah, I had a few. Um, Madrid was always a great city for me. I won uh, uh, there in, I think, I want to say, 92. Um, and I, I love the, the south of France. Uh, we had... Uh, Great golf courses, great tournaments, great restaurants, you know, good fun down there. Um, you know, Anywhere in the United Kingdom, it was always nice, you know, to, to play at home. Uh, and in Sweden, uh, you know, wonderful. One of the, the great uh, Lynx golf courses, Lynx golf course areas in the world is the, the western, northwestern coast of Europe, Belgium, Holland, Sweden, where you know people go to Ireland uh, and Scotland and say, "Oh, we love the golf there." Well, you know, go go to Belgium, Holland, and Sweden too. It's just as good. Um, and we played there for so many years, and you know, I had some success there. It was uh, it was a great time in my life, and and although it led me down a path that I, I wish I hadn't uh, wandered, uh, it was. Uh, I'm not sure that I'd change anything. <laughs> You uh, you were with CBS for 19 years. You've been with uh, NBC now a little over a year. What's been the biggest adjustment for you in, uh, going from the, the CBS to NBC? Well, um, it, it's been the adjustment, if I were to think of the biggest one, is probably, you know, I don't spend so much time on the ground. I'm a little more involved in, in the entire broadcast now because I spend most of my time in a tower. Um, you know, so... Um, I've gone from you know following the leaders and making the occasional sort of pithy comment or, or or whatever to you know having four or five holes of my own and being able to jump in on other people's uh, uh, other people's comments and give people a hard time. It's been uh, a breath of fresh air for me, and it feels like I've kind of expanded my role um, here at NBC and maybe stretched myself a little more. How much easier is it to get a grasp of what's going on in the tournament from the booth versus being out on the golf course? Oh, that's a good question. It is much easier because, for one thing, I have a picture in front of me. I have a monitor. In fact, at NBC, <clears throat> excuse me, I have uh, five monitors. Uh, all the holes that uh, I'm going to do, uh, I've got real-time uh, uh, images of what's going on at that hole and, and who it's happening to. You know, so. Uh, it's a much more detailed and uh, you know in the moment picture of of what's going on in your days out on the course what was the biggest blunder you ever made say like accidentally kicking a ball or have you ever gotten scolded by a player for talking or could they hear you <laughs> i remember reading a putt um uh it was sergio garcia at valhalla <laughs> and this is oh jeez 
um, it's got to be 15 years ago, and the wind was in the wrong direction, you know, and uh, I read it inside right. And fortunately, he had read it inside right as well. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he turned around and looked. I was probably 40 yards away, and he said, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have uh, I've not stood on a ball or kicked it, but, um, you know, I, I've uh, been in the wrong place at the wrong time, especially with Tiger. Uh, when Tiger first came out, I'd, I'd been a pro for 20-something years. I knew where to stand on a golf course and not be in the way. And then, you know, Tiger showed up, and all of a sudden, you know, I was in the way a couple of times because when I thought he was going to chip out, he was going to hit it on the same line, but, you know, try and hit it on the green. And, uh, you know, there were a couple of awkward moments there as well. Go, transitioning that with the Tiger comment, you said about 10 years ago, you made a comment once where you said, if Tiger quit playing tomorrow, tens of thousands of people would lose their jobs. Yeah. Uh, how do you view, I, I, I definitely don't think you're wrong. I'm just curious, how, how do you view that comment now as we're kind of maybe seemingly entering the post-Tiger era? Do you feel the same way about the future of the game? Well, I don't feel the same way because it, uh, you know, the way Tiger has disappeared from the game has been a gradual thing, and uh, as he has gradually sort of faded away from the game, we've had these amazing youngsters: uh, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth. You know, Dustin Johnson has been coming up, Ricky Fowler. You know, and and not one of them, uh, you know, singly can fill that gap. Uh, and it, actually, if you add them all together, they still can't. You know, no one makes the needle move like like Tiger Woods. My children aren't going to see uh, that, the likes uh, of that, and their children probably won't see the, the likes of Tiger Woods again. Um, uh, so, you know, it's not like he all of a sudden vanished and, and the, the, the rug was pulled out from underneath us. Uh, we, we've had fantastic uh, golfers come up in the interim, golfers that grew up with Tiger Woods and, you know, uh, as their role model, as what was possible, this is what we can do. You know, and um, while, while they may not, you know, be dominant, you know, the way he was, and, and nobody ever will, um, you know, they, they really are remarkable to watch. You know, so, uh, you know, it, it's a different time. That's all. In your playing career, I think you, you tend to like to make uh, jokes at, at your own expense about your playing career. And I think even, yeah. you know, as I was growing up as a kid, I kind of had always, you know, I'd never really researched you. And I just always had assumed that you weren't much of a player. I think you vastly undersell how much, uh, how, much how often you won and how competitive of a player you were. You were on the 91 Ryder Cup team. How much has the Ryder Cup changed since that that year? Um, well, I, I think, Chris, that was one of the years that really changed it yep. uh, dramatically. It was, it was the year of the, uh, you know, the Gulf War, and there was tremendous you know, pro-American sentiment in the crowd, and we had the, the European crowd there that were, you know, with the ole, 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 which was just the most mindless anthem <laughs> the world has ever heard. You know, I love the lyric, yeah. Um, but there was the, um, you know, that, that sort of partisan feeling off, you know, behind the ropes, uh, that was for sure. But you know, on, on the golf course, it was—it's always been entirely different. You know, the players—they uh, uh, adore the Ryder Cup. There's something so special about it, and uh, th this is one that caught the attention of the American public. It came down to the last putt and the last green in the last match with Bernhard Langer and, and Hale Irwin, and. Uh, you know, I think it really sort of teed up the Ryder Cup for the next, uh, you know, 20 or 25 years, you know, to this point. 
um, where it's arguably the most important golf event uh, of every two years. It's certainly the most watchable and um, the most magnetic. Uh, it, uh, it's about you know players going out there and playing for the reason that they started playing the golf. They just love the game, and um, it's you can't make the the comparison between that and war. But when uh, when kids go to fight, you know, for the United States, it's not the United States that's in their mind. It's the guy to the right and the guy to the left of them. Hmm. You know, and, and that's the, the Ryder Cup as well. You really care about what your teammates think, and it's really the only opportunity of the year, you know, to, to feel that way because it's your ball, it's your game, and it's a selfish game other than this one particular moment. Very good. I'll let you out here on two questions that I, I feel like I okay. have to get to. I like this one a lot. Let's say it's the last, the final show of Faraday ever, and the guest on the show is you. You have to pick someone to host you on your show as you're going away. Who do you choose oh. to host? Yikes, what a question. Jeez, mm-hmm. who would I pick to interview me? Um, and don't just boy, pick well, don't pick would, the least the person that would be least upset with you. <laughs> no, no. Um it might be Gary McCord because <laughs> he knows more about me <laughs> than uh than any person alive with I mean I can't pick my wife. That would be just embarrassing. <laughs> um yeah, I would say McCord. Yeah, the sick bastard. I'll tune into that one. All right, last one. I know this is tough to put you on the spot, but I've, I've told you have a lot of good Monty stories. What's your favorite go-to Colin Montgomery story? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I'm not sure uh, I can tell uh, much of the go-to ones. There was a... This is an uncensored podcast. You're welcome to tell anything you want. <laughs> Yeah, no, I understand. You know, I was playing with him in Madrid one uh, one year. This is back in the middle '90s, early '90s, and uh, every time he was he was mean to a person. And and, and at Madrid, uh, the Real Club de Portidi here, only the members were allowed in to watch the tournament. It's a very uh, I, I don't know posh golf club. That uh, there was members of the of parliament and the the royalty and all sorts of things. So there was only maybe you know 2,500 people on the golf course at any given time, and a lot of them you know were into polo and and things that were you know the golf club had all sorts of things. The, the golf course was just a you know one of the apps that you know that they had there. Um, so there were a lot of people out there that didn't really understand golf, and and Monty, uh, who could hear a butterfly fart from 200 yards. <laughs> was um you know up in the crowd giving them a hard time you know every time you know anyone said anything or, or whatever he was you know just being monty and uh, every time he did it i would take a golf ball from his bag <laughs> and and give it to whatever child or or person you know that that he'd been upset with and we get on the 12th hole and monty said to his caddy alistair he says give me another ball and alistair says we don't have any and he says no we do I put a dozen in there myself uh, before we went out, and I had to put my hand there and I said, "Monty, I'm sorry. You know, every time you've been shitty to someone, I've been giving them a, a one of your golf balls." And he looks at me and he says, "I couldn't have been that shitty." <laughs> <laughs> and Alistair, to his eternal credit, looks at Monty and said, "Yeah, you pretty much were." Uh, How did he finish the round? Yeah, well, we played the same type of golf ball, so I was able to land them a couple, you know. Wow, that's fantastic. All right, we'll let you out of there on that. I took up more of your time than I was promised, so uh, best of luck with the weekend at the Valspar, and uh, best of luck with the show. I'm looking forward to part two with Phil and the rest of the season as well. David, thank you so much for your time. 
All right, Chris, thank you. You bet. All right, Tron, let's talk yeah. about Bay Hill this week. Um, everyone is pounding a narrative into the ground about the field, the amount of players that are skipping the event. Do you have any thought on that? Are, are people on the right path with that? Do you dislike it? Do you have any thoughts? Uh, to be honest, I don't really know. I mean, I know Spieth isn't playing, but I don't think he's ever played it. Um, who else is? I know JT's skipping. Who else is skipping? Phil, DJ. I think, I mean, it's just kind of uh, a lot. I don't know. Maybe 10 of the top 25 players or something are, are playing in the event. I think I saw that okay. tweeted out. But it, what I'm kind of getting at is the way the schedule sets up this year. I was going to say, it's so, it's so tough. With, it's terrible. Especially with the WGC in Mexico. And then um, and then match play is, is next week, correct? Yes, it is. And then okay. Houston, and then the Masters, right? Am I missing one? Uh, I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, yeah. I, I, I just don't, I don't get why. I've never been one to criticize a player for their scheduling. Unless, unless you're like a guy that skips the entire West Coast swing or something kind of silly like that. I don't <laughs> like Kucher. Yeah, a, a few years ago, <laughs> ZJ. When he went to Hawaii for yeah for like six weeks, and then they and then they shoved those commercials God, down our throat. I teed you up for that one. That was not intentional, I promise. <laughs> but uh, I don't I don't understand the armchair like critique. And I understand this is uh, there's a lot of emotion tied to this event. Um, you know, especially with Arnie passing away last year, but. I just don't I don't understand holding players to a certain expectation that they have to be playing in particular events. I agree with that. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, it's a nice gesture if you want to go out of your way to play in this this year. But I think just with the Mexico thing and then, um, you know, I, I mean, Honda's almost become such a big tournament, too, that, it, you know, it, it's just tough. I mean, there's there's not a there's not a good week to take off. No. At this point. Right. You know, especially with how you want to set yourself up for the majors. Some of these guys like to play two or three weeks going into the major, you know, to kind of, you know, I mean, it's just a, it's just a matter of personal preference, but you know, for me, it comes down to like, you know, like I like to go, I like to go to the bathroom after lunch, after my lunch break. Like, like people aren't criticizing me for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Where are you it's going? just like a similar story. Where are you going with this one? <laughs> I, I mean, they have to. I don't know how easy this is to do. Probably not easy, but they have to flip Mexico and Honda. Like they have to. They, there's no reason to go California, yeah. Florida, Mexico, Florida, because yeah, you, there's there's you can't play all four of those events. And then, uh, like for somebody like Spieth, he's going to play in Texas. He's going to play the match yeah. play, and he's going to play in Mexico. He skipped Valspar this week, and it's a course he's won on in the last two yeah. years. Like, you, you can't; these guys can't play every event. It's not; it's not personal. I don't understand, uh, and it, it bothers me because that, that's dom- the dominating narrative for this week. I feel like, and you know, people are saying, you know, this is it's kind of tarnished. It's it's kind of spitting on Arnie's grave or you know it's it's disrespectful I'm like you guys are the ones that are making this the this the story of the week the story should be the golf tournament and yeah. this great event that he that he built and we should just sit around and, and enjoy it I, I really don't understand it yeah I think uh you know come Wednesday Thursday when they start playing it won't be the dominant narrative but until then it's kind of like nobody nobody has a whole lot to talk about um you know and there'll, there'll be plenty of 
plenty of tributes and stuff to Arnie, I'm sure. So um, my big question is what's going to happen? Like, how's the schedule going to work when the players shifts back to March, like they're saying? Is it for real going to happen, or is that only going to be Olympic years? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I hadn't heard the Olympic years thing. I was just, I was just assuming, because I was thinking that like that course always plays better in March. It's a little bit cooler, and you got some wind and all that. Um, it's got a few more teeth in it. So I thought that was kind of their overriding thing. And then trying to move the PGA to, to May. That's what I right? thought. That's why I thought they were moving the PGA to May for Olympics years when that would be in August. But I, I don't know. I, I could see that being 2020 being the first year they do that if they are going to make this yeah. change. But I, I don't know. I think you have to you have to like move and either remove an event from the schedule or move it to an entirely different part of the year. I don't know what I have no idea what you squeeze out. Yeah. Is it's, it a well, WGC? It has the, to be a WGC. Like the southern the southern swing is kind of the one that's gotten more or less you know pigeonholed into everything else. Right. Um, you know with New Orleans is all chopped up from the rest of it. There's no more um, you know there's no more Bell South Classic in Atlanta. You know, but but it, it's just the Valspar is actually a pretty new tournament, you know, and I think they've got some pretty pretty solid backing um, from the big paint lobbies. What up, Kurt Schilling? But uh, it's your boy. But but yeah, I mean, I think you know, there's like something's got to give, right? Why don't we so. take one of the WGCs? I don't, how long is Mexico signed on for? Probably a few. I mean, I think I would think a few years. They'd have to be signed for like three or four years, I would think, just to make it worth. You know, doing that. Why we, I, I'm of the opinion that they should move all the WGCs around. Well, I was going to say move one year. of them to a different part of the year and take it up to Canada. I yeah, mean, that's you, true. You can't play it in the South later in the summer. Like I'm, that's what I'm thinking. You can't play in Florida in July or August. So if you if you're gonna you got you got if you're gonna squeeze one of those events out of the spring, it's got to be one of the WGCs. I don't know what those contracts are like, but. Uh, if you yeah. move that north, you can play golf in Canada in July and August. The Canada Canadian play Open. Australia too. Australia needs another big event. But no one's going to go there guys... in the middle of the season. No, no, but like you do it, kind of like December or January before Hawaii and all that. Um, you know, kind of get get things kicked off with that. You know, because like I don't know, I just I love watching the Australian Open and then the um, like when they had the one down at. Royal Melbourne, the the World Cup down there. I mean, that's that's like appointment viewing for me. That's yeah. so cool. That, so one they need to move is China, and they they won't. I'm oh, sure for financial yeah. reasons, but nobody watches. Nobody goes to that, and nobody watches that one. When's the one in Korea this year? Is that this year, or is it next year? I don't know. Oh, it it maybe like silly season too, or like reach around schedule or whatever. But um, I don't know. I'm really I really I should know more about that before I speak yeah. on it. Um, are we roasting you this week? Uh, I don't know. Are we doing you or me? That's I don't care. I, I mean, do we want to take do we want to take a week off and just load up on swings from from the UK here in a couple of weeks, or or we can go for it. I don't care. Well, I mean, people are going to accuse me of of taking a lesson a couple of weeks ago to <laughs> escape the wrath of the of the Twitter of the Twitterati of the uh, you know of the, the uh, masses with pitchforks you know coming after me, but. Uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, let's definitely do one this week. Okay. I'm, I'm happy to do mine. It'd probably be a good thing being on uh, being on site too. Get a little bit of uh, you know commentary from people there too. There you so. go. All right, let's do that. 
Um, anything else we missed from this week? Uh, dude, Bay Hill. I just I still can't wrap my head around the fact that Matt Every won this tournament back to back years, right? Potential podcast guest this week. I might. Be, yeah, I know. I might it's be crazy. recording like, that's with him just Tuesday. Like, I mean, I've always liked watching him, and he, you know, he's always kind of sounding. There needs to be more Matt Everys and Spencer Levines and guys like that on tour, um, kind of real dudes. But um, but yeah, I just I just can't I still can't wrap my head around that. Like that's it's so hard to repeat at any tournament, you know, much less pretty pretty good field normally at Bay Hill and uh, you know pretty pretty tough. Uh, like I feel like there's a lot of number like big numbers at Bay Hill. Always, <laughs> Bubba. Just Bubba because there's, yeah, there's so many, like there, it's so much fun to watch this, like just to keep tabs on this tournament on Shot Tracker, because there's a there's so many, like it's like a geometry dream, like with all the with all the forced carries and like cutoffs over you know dog legs over water, um, but uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot of orange and brown out there on the scorecards. A lot of chance for the mushroom cloud graphic on the scorecards this week. Look forward yeah. to it. Uh, I we loved every. I know we haven't. I loved Every's quote after he won for the second time. It was something like, uh, "I think he's won it the second most times behind Tiger." Saying like, "Yeah, I told, I told Tiger I would, I'd hold it down for him until he came back." All right, PK. What? But all right. By the way, like, so Tiger, I kind of missed that this week. Kind of flew under the radar. Like he like officially withdrew from the tournament. And I was like. That was necessary. Like you had to actually announce something. <laughs> I was just thinking that too. It was like he announced. I was like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I, I forgot that you. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, better, <laughs> better write up a post about this because yeah. Tiger's announcing he's not coming back. Yeah, um, it's getting all right. I guess that makes it official. Man, I'm really disappointed. Yeah. Take him off the board. Yeah. Uh, it's not. I mean, you know, he's not playing the Masters, right? We don't even need to discuss this. I, I I don't know. I mean, well, I wouldn't put it past him. He, really? you know, he, I mean, remember the one year? I know. He showed but... up at, the, at Augusta and, you know, I mean, the dude played the U.S. Open on a broken leg. Like, this is different. He, you know, I, I mean, know. I could see him going to that Canadian doctor, Dr. Galea, and spinning some blood and doing, you know, doing that sort of stuff and pump, pump him full of cortisone and put him back together for four days and he's got the rest of the year to, to, uh, you know, kind of recover. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't see it, man. I, don't, I hope I'm wrong. I, I, <laughs> I think it'd be cool, but I don't see, even if he showed up, I can't see him making it to the weekend, but now uh, we would have said the same thing in 2015 when, uh, he was in the third to last group, but no, I, I'm not getting, I'm not, we're going to do, we'll do the circus. We'll do the big thing where we talk about it. And, uh, yeah, we'll, see what well it really doesn't matter. The McRib, Roderick McRib is winning, winning Masters this year. So, how, how, do you want to do it? To, do you want to say it for a second time? How many majors you have him winning this year? He's winning three. He's winning three majors. Okay. I, 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 I think the the McRib injury was the best thing that could have happened to him. He's gonna be so fresh. Came out digging down in Mexico. Um, yeah, I think uh, uh, he's gonna he's gonna just kill it at Aaron Hills, and then. Sergio and Spieth are going to share Burkdale. They're going to share the title there. And uh, and then Rory's going to win by, like, 11 shots at Quail Hollow. Everyone's going to pick him at Quail Hollow, right? Yeah, I mean, they have to. Yeah. You know? 
So, um, what is you had? Uh, you, we talked a little bit about you weren't too thrilled with JT's uh, antics in uh, in Mexico. Did we talk about that um, last week? I don't remember. I think we did. Okay. Yeah, I think we did. Okay, and then did. I, I got a couple of messages that he was kind of just acting a fool this week too. Yeah, he wasn't pleased this week. He wasn't too pleased. But yeah, and I'm fine with that. I'm I'm all for. It. I mean, I I heard Spencer Levine like tossed one of those like you know trash can things like into the woods on one hole. <laughs> so, like, this week, like I'm all yeah, like I'm all for that's yeah because he he shot like he played real well and they won like. 68 or like 67 or 68 first round and then just ejected on friday uh and i heard he was relatively displeased during the round but uh but yeah i mean jt i'm i'm fine with acting a fool it's just a matter of i feel like he's a little burned out right yeah four straight weeks and i think he admitted that i was surprised he played played this week after uh playing the three previous but yeah but i think he knew he wasn't gonna play bay hill that's why he probably added this so hey how about your boy ssp Charasia. The battleship. <laughs> the battleship. Big win at the Hero Indian Open by like seven, I think he won it. Yeah. I, I got a bunch of messages. I think he laid up with like two wedges or something on the 18th <laughs> hole. But. Yeah, so I made bogey on 18. But, That's God, cool. that course was just so Mickey Mouse. I mean, I was texting with uh, I was texting with like, somebody that played, and it was just like, yeah, man. Really, the only thing that was missing was a clown's mouth on the 18th hole because it was just like – like Gary Player was just in a mood when he designed that, or when his associates designed it. But uh, speaking yeah. of I mean, clown's fake... mouth, can, yeah. is yeah. Bubba done? Like, like done, done? Is he done? Yeah, is Bubba done? I want to declare oh. him done. I really want to. Oh my gosh! Uh... He's playing with putt putt balls. This should be a bigger yeah. story. Like, why? Well, he he hasn't right, made so a cut I, yet. This was my thing a couple of years ago, where like when Bubba like. You knew his putter was going to get shaky. Yeah, right? you were on this. You you said this a, like a long. Yeah, time it's like ago. this is going to be so much fun to watch him just, ba- you know, basically get the yips and and basically lose his marbles, uh, you know, over not being able to putt. But I mean, he's what like thirty nine now, uh, something like that. 40? Yeah, yeah, something around that. And well, I, I mean, I, I don't think he's had injuries or anything, but I can't see him being the kind of guy that plays really well into his late 40s the guy's not exactly a a uh, mental warrior <laughs> well he's not exactly a workout warrior either no um all right I so mean, let me ask you this soggy. i think i misunderstood this so if i told you somebody was getting paid a million dollars a year to play a certain kind of golf ball would that sound like somebody like at, at bubba's caliber play does that seem like a lot of money to you or not a lot uh if it was like Titleist or Callaway playing like paying me to play a reputable ball or like a ball that you know is kind of recognized as the industry standard then yeah I like that 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 would sound in the ballpark to me but if if, you know if somebody was asking me to play pink and like neon green golf balls like no like give me five million you know like I'm a two-time major winner Right, because I've heard he, he got one million. I've heard he got one point two million. That seemed like pennies to me for to, I think, quite legitimately sacrifice strokes off of your off of your game to give up that for not that much money. Just seemed absolutely crazy to me. Do you think Bubba? I mean, I could see him just straight up retiring. <laughs> like it may be like three, like being like semi-retired, like going to like Steve Stricker style thing, and then just. 
going and hanging out at like his minor league baseball stadium with the candy shop and stuff. Like six months ago, he was like the seventh ranked player in the world, and now we're talking about him retiring. <laughs> he, so, uh, I'm trying to see what he's ranked now. He's like the 16th ranked player in the world, and you want you think he's going to retire? Well, I mean, kind of. Like, when was the last time he did anything? Like Riviera last year. He finished. Uh, I think I looked this up. He finished tied for second after he, he finished second in the WGC right after Riviera last year. And since then, he's ah. like had one top ten that was in China shortly after that. Uh, the Shenzhen International that was in April or something. Yeah, after the Masters. Ah. And since then, he had he got uh, tied for tenth at the Tour Championship, thirty person field. That's it. It still blows my mind that he plays in those in that in those China events. Well, like, apparently I mean, the guy like freaked out in in Paris. For God's sake, <laughs> <laughs> you know? maybe he's doing all he can to make sure he's not going to back to Paris for the Ryder Cup team next year. Oh, yeah, actually, I might start rooting for him just so just so he, he goes back to Paris. Yeah, <laughs> the big tower thing. So. Um. All right. Anything else we missed? Uh. My boy JT Poston, I didn't see what he did on the last few holes today, but another solid week. Yeah, seriously. Appreciated him coming on the pod. Apologize for the audio. Uh, next pod, well, that'll be sorted. That's so the trap draw. The next trap draw. We got a few yeah. a few coming in. Yeah, you guys, so. uh, make sure you're subscribed and following that as well. For people that say we don't put enough podcasts out, we do have a second one, and there's there better be more of these. Cut 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 yourself. Cut, yeah. out, cut out your work and then and then do it. Let's 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 see some more trap draws. I'm excited to see what you guys. Got. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's your favorite podcast. Favorite podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um. All right, Tron. Um. We'll let you go. I know you got to drive ahead of you. Yeah. I'm just just. Excuse me. You know getting pissed people people hanging out in the left lane man not good not good it's midnight not here good. and i've got a lot of editing to do tonight so uh we'll get this up and post it for monday thank you again to david Faraday for taking the time and coming on that was awesome great thrill uh it's a guy i've wanted to talk to for a long time i'd love to do it again with him in person sometime and just do story time i'd love some more time yeah. with him but uh i think you guys will like like what like what we had so tron safe travels man thanks buddy thanks Ollie. cheers Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes! Yeah! that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect.